Good morning. It's so great to have you with us. It was wonderful to have so many of you at the Easter Vestry this week. Another big step forward in bringing the parishes of Gorsainen and Lacher together as the new parish of Castlechur and Gorsainen. This year, two of our wardens, Heather Califford and Ken Sullivan, stepped down after many years of service. And I'm sure that you'd like to join me in thanking them. We love you both and we're so dearly indebted to you. Thank you. Diolch. I hope too that you'll join me in praying for the new PCC and for the new wardens. Phil Davis and Dorothy Dancer, Rob Samuel and Dan Williams, Moira Pritchard, and Roddy Lewis. We have two buildings in the parish now, St David's and St Catherine's, but we're one church, God's people. Working together, we're called to join in with what God is already doing to fulfil his incredible mission for this little part of his acre. What an incredible task and what an incredible privilege to be part of it. So as we remember that calling, loving one another and loving God and fulfilling his purposes, let's worship together as I pray the collect. Let us pray. Gwedion. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, has overcome death and opened to us the gates of everlasting life, grant that as by your grace going before us, you put into our minds good desires, so by your continual help you might bring them to good effect. Through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Acts, chapter 8, verse 26 to 40. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. 
Now, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to his chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he replied, well, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb, silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from this earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, hmm, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is it about himself or about someone else? And then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's some water. What is to prevent me from being baptised? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went out into the water. And Philip baptised him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 to 21. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Saviour of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love of of, that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, 
for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, help us to listen to your word with understanding, to receive it with faith, and to obey it with courage, for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. It's lovely to be with you again on this fifth Sunday of the Easter season, and there's a great choice of things to preach on, so I'll have to make sure I don't try and preach on them all. I would have been very tempted by Jesus saying, I am the true vine, John 15, today's Gospel. But Liz Williams preached an excellent sermon on that in our Lenten series on the I Am sayings. And I've checked today and it is still available on YouTube. Um, Look up St Catherine's Gorsinan and go for the sermon on the 28th of February and enjoy that again if you missed it or even if you've forgotten it. 
I'd like to start with a verse in 1 John. The first letter of John from chapter 4 and verse 7. Uh, it's a letter that some of us read together earlier this year. Let us love one another, because love comes from God. Whoever loves is a child of God and knows God, says John. It's an idea that he comes back to quite often. And I think if you went and asked the man in the street, uh, very few people would disagree and say that love is a bad thing or a wrong idea. Fine, as far as it goes. But if you were to go on and ask people what that means in practice, what do they do about it, then I suspect you get a wide variation of explanations. Some people might say that, well, obviously you ought to help people if they ask for it. Probably not if they don't ask for it. You know, don't go interfering, but... Other people might say that it's important to smile and be positive. But you can overdo that, and sometimes it just looks as if you're trying to sell something. Sometimes it just looks absolutely ghastly. Um... You don't always feel like smiling, and artificial is not necessarily good. Another version might be that you ought to um, give a little bit to charity. How much is a little bit? Well, again, you might get different versions of that, mightn't you? And others might just say, well, you know, don't go looking for trouble. Luckily for us, the New Testament gives us plenty of examples. And I'm hoping that it might be useful to spend a few minutes looking at the story we read in Acts 8 about Philip and the Ethiopian. The whole of Acts 8 is about Philip. Uh, this is not Philip the Apostle, about whom we don't know a great deal, but Philip who was chosen to be one of the deacons. He's named after Stephen, and we know quite a lot about Stephen too. And in Acts 21, he's called Philip the Evangelist. And I think, well, let me see if I can convince you. We might learn three things about love from this story. So it starts off, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get ready and go south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And Philip said, now hang on, angel. It's a bit much, you know. I've done a couple of things this month already, and you know I've got four daughters, and I really need to be making a secure living for them, and I need some quality time, and I've heard about this road. It's not terribly safe, and you might just be sending me to waste my time. He didn't say that, of course. But you can imagine that sometimes we stymie God by complaints like that which don't sound totally unreasonable and yet are anything but obedient and helpful. And the point is that of course it could have gone wrong then or later. Love means taking opportunities and taking opportunities also means taking risks. Philip might have had a wasted journey. He might have been kidnapped or beaten or mugged he might simply have been embarrassed. 
he might have had letters of complaint sent to his church. Any real love involves risk. The risk of rejection, the risk of being made to look stupid, the risk of wasting your time. And yet we are commanded to love. What was it John said? Let us love one another because love comes from God. And for Philip, at least, and perhaps for us too, part of that is to be open and obedient when told to do something and to set about it with courtesy and with grace. Yes, verse 31 follows verse 30. He hears a man in a chariot reading Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. There was something about Philip that inspired enough confidence for a stranger to say, well, go on, come on, explain this to me. I just bought this new book. And Philip discovers that this man has been to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home he's reading from a scroll of Isaiah. Sounds as if he might have bought that in Jerusalem during the visit. And it probably cost him a pretty penny because of course that's a handwritten scroll and Isaiah is not a short book. It's interesting too that this Ethiopian can not only go to Jerusalem to worship, but can read Hebrew. He's made an effort. And so has Philip. Philip knows that passage, and he knows its importance to Christians. This is the great passage about the suffering servant. And I doubt if Philip always knew it. He's probably listened in church as people has explained how this is one of the really important passages in the Old Testament which tells them about Jesus and gets them ready for what Jesus was doing and why it all had to work out in that strange way with Jesus going to his death and then to his resurrection. Philip knows the scripture. He takes the opportunity and the second thing about love is that love shares the gospel. He tells the Ethiopian what he really needs to know. He gives him a simple explanation of the gospel. And the Ethiopian is so enthusiastic that he wants to be baptised on the spot. Well, on the way. You might notice that um, verse 37 is missing. Well, you might not, but I'm an awkward sort of person and I do notice these things. If you look in your Bible, the chances are that you've got verse 36 and then a bracket around 37 and then straight on to 38. And it seems that there's just one version, one early text, but it's a minority one and it's not the original, which wants to check that the Ethiopian really believed what he ought to believe before he was baptised. In other words, Philip is satisfied that the Ethiopian really is serious 
about this very important step of baptism. And he's going to get on with it and baptise the man. For us, that's an exciting story, a success story. But it's also a reminder that the greatest love we can have is not in being nice to people, in smiling, in being patient when they're being awkward. It's not even about putting yourself out to help someone when they really need help. That's important, and yes, it's something we should do. But the greatest love is like the love of God. And God, who sent his Son, you know the great text in John 3.16, God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not die, but have eternal life. For God, this was the most important thing, and the greatest act of love. And so the greatest love that we can have is to help people find their own faith, their own connection to God. No, not to make them like us. No, not to fill our church or to sort out the finances. They may live elsewhere, worship elsewhere, worship in a very different way. Their faith will be their faith. But if we can encourage them to it, make the introduction and let God get on with it, that is a great act of love. So we've got two things already, haven't we? Love means taking opportunities and the risks that go with them. And love, for Philip and I hope for us, means sharing the gospel, because that's the most important thing of all. And the third one is a little surprising. Philip is ready to do that. He takes the opportunity and the risk and gets up into the chariot, probably going the wrong way for him, and he'll have to walk back. And he's ready to share his faith. It might be rejected, he might be embarrassed, but never mind, he's ready to do it. And thirdly, he is also ready to move on. Odd? Well, yeah, this is something I might find quite difficult. The story doesn't end with the exchange of hugs and addresses. The Ethiopian is not enrolled in Philip's fan club, nor is he added to a list of Philip's successful witnessing. Philip is off. Verses 39 and 40. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip is ready for new adventures, adventures with the Holy Spirit. The Ethiopian, too, is joyfully heading home, and by tradition he's going to found a whole new church and take the gospel to another part of the world. So, what does it mean to love? Well, I don't think the man in the street is entirely wrong about the things he would like to have done to him. But Philip does give us these three things to think about. 
And this is just one example of the New Testament version of what it means to love. So I invite you to think about them and perhaps to pray about them and ask God what he wants you to do. Love means being ready to take opportunities and risks. Take a chance. Maybe it won't work out. There are worse things than looking silly. Love means being ready and prepared to share the gospel. Philip had done his homework. He knew how to present that passage. He knew how to tell the Ethiopian fairly quickly the importance of Jesus and how he fitted in to what was said in the Old Testament. And love, perhaps surprisingly, means being ready to move on to the next thing God will do. God is often, more often than we think, doing new things. We like to get established with the ones we understand and we know and we enjoy talking about, and that's fine, but don't get too settled. God moves on. Philip appeared at Azotus and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. And if I remember rightly, he's still there when we next come across him. Love. Not easy. Yes, we've probably, most of us, got the application wrong sometime. But give it a go and ask how it works out in the pages of the New Testament. Amen.
Gwethion, let us pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are a faithful God who is true to your promises. You said that wherever two and three are gathered together in your name, then you would be there with them. Thank you for being with us today. Give us eyes to see you. Give us ears that hear your word. And give us hearts full of love for you and for each other, we pray. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray today for your church throughout the world. We pray for our brothers and sisters in the faith, wherever they may be. And we particularly hold up the church in India as it seeks to love and be the hands and feet of Jesus in really difficult circumstances. We pray for the church in Wales, especially for this diocese of Swansea and Brecon. And we pray too for John, our bishop and archbishop, as he retires today. Father, we praise you for years of faithful ministry, for his words of courage and encouragement, and for the pastoral care of a good bishop. We pray that you give him a long, happy and restful retirement. We pray for your blessing on our ministry team here in this place. We pray for your blessings over Glyn and Andrew, over Elizabeth and every member of their families. We give you thanks for those elected in our Easter vestry to serve in your church. We pray that you encourage them in their ministry, that you bless them and you guide them. Help us to follow your calling, to be your hands and feet, and to make your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for our community, for friends and neighbours, and for strangers whose needs are known only to you. We thank you for all that is good in our community, for all those who bless and enrich our lives. We continue to pray for all those working on the front line, for doctors and nurses, for teachers and school support staff, for those working in colleges and universities, and for all those whose jobs until the last year seemed so insignificant, yet in their own way they've played such a vital part over the last 12 months, helping to keep the country running in difficult times. Help us to remember, Lord, that although our roles, our jobs may be different, we are all equal in your sight and all have a part to play. We pray for world leaders, for those elected to represent us in Westminster, and we pray for the candidates in the upcoming Welsh Assembly Synod elections. Lord, we pray for wisdom as we cast our ballots. Help us to select leaders that will be good and godly leaders, that will seek justice, love mercy and peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We continue to pray, Lord, for all those who are struggling at this time, for those who are lonely and isolated, for the elderly and for the grieving and dying. We pray for those who especially will draw their final breath today. May they know the hope that you bring and may they be assured of your love. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Finally, Father, we pray for ourselves. Forgive what we've been. In your incredible love for us, accept what we are. And help us to become more like you. Direct what we will be in recognising how much you love us. Help us to love one another. Help us to abide in your love. Because those who are without love are but a clanging cymbal or a noisy gong. Help us, Lord, to be your hands and feet, to love one another as you have loved us. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as we close today, it would be remiss of me not to mention that today is Archbishop John's final day as our bishop. I'm sure that you'd want me to thank him for his many years of service, for the courage that he's shown in proclaiming the gospel, and of course for his love and care as such a wonderfully pastoral bishop. Bishop John, on behalf of everyone in the parish, thank you so much for all that you've done to love and support us and we wish you a long and very happy retirement. 
I'm sure you'll join me too in praying for the members of the Electoral College as they begin to uh, commence that process of electing a new bishop for the Diocese of Swansea and Brecon. As a new week begins, rest assured that we're always here for you, as I always say. And if there's anything you need, either spiritually or practically, then please do be in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Remember too that our wardens, Rob Samuel and Dorothy Dancer, are always busy coordinating a team of volunteers to help turn isolation into connection and to make sure that people get a regular opportunity to chat on the telephone. And if you'd like a chance to do that, but yet haven't benefited from a regular chat, then please do be in touch. Rob's number is on the bottom of the screen today. As a new week begins then, let me pray for God's blessing on each of us. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you now and always. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.